Maybe it seems obvious, but business is changing. And much of that change, from digital transformation to workplace innovation, is driven by critical advancements in mobility. Thanks to support from T-Mobile for Business, we're here to explore how 5G will enable innovations that can advance our future. I'm not compelled to build technology so people can watch movies faster or download movies faster or, you know, use VR for gaming or watch more porn, you know. I mean? <laughs> so those aren't compelling technologies for me. That's Andrea Goldsmith speaking. She is the founding director of the Wireless Systems Lab at Stanford University. But it was a winding path to get there. When I switched from political science to engineering, when I was an undergraduate at Berkeley in the mid-80s, I was attracted to politics because I thought it was a mechanism to help people. And I came to realize that actually engineering is also a way to make people's lives better, that you can develop technology that improves people's lives. And Andrea is not just a researcher. She's also a builder. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I founded two wireless companies. The first one was called Quantena, and it went public in 2016. So I got to go ring the bell on the NASDAQ. That was a lot of fun. So and then, cool. <laughs> yeah, that was really awesome. And, and it was an amazing experience to take a set of research ideas that I developed over my whole career and turn them into a technology and a company around that. Andrea's story is typical of the relationship between research and industry that has been the fuel of the Silicon Valley boom, and in turn, why many people believe the United States has led the world in innovation. When they were building the internet, you know, in the, in the 60s, I don't think they envisioned how it would change the world. It was a flexible infrastructure. That's what made it successful. That internet infrastructure laid down in the 1960s was flexible enough that generations of entrepreneurs could build on top of it, ultimately creating companies like Microsoft, Google, and Amazon. A more recent wave of innovation was unleashed by the launch of the 4G mobile internet in 2010. A decade ago, it would have been hard to imagine navigating a city you'd never visited before in a stranger's car, or that being able to upload and stream video would fuel protest movements around the world. And now we stand on the cusp of a new generation of mobile internet, 5G. So the question is, what might tomorrow look like? We can't envision what's going to be the killer app that this 5G network, which has much higher data rates and much lower latency and much lower energy consumption, what is that network going to enable in terms of applications and devices and ways to make our lives better? But if we do build that infrastructure, I believe that there will be many technologies and applications that will make our lives better that need that network to operate. I'm Oz Veloshin, and this is... This Time Tomorrow, a podcast about how advances in connectivity could change the way we live. I'm here with my friend and partner and co-host, Cara Price. And Cara, this is not our first rodeo. No, it's a, it's our second rodeo. I don't know if that's a saying, but no. it's our, <laughs> our second rodeo. We hosted Sleepwalkers together, which was about how AI is changing everything. And 
I think it got us in the mood to wrap our heads around new technologies and you know what they could mean. Yeah, I guess the first rodeo was AI, and now we're on our famous second rodeo. We like two-letter words that have very, very vague meanings. <laughs> exactly, and which dominate headlines with almost no clarity. <laughs> um, but one of the reasons I enjoy doing these kinds of shows is it's fun to talk to people like Andrea Goldsmith and really break things down. Now, this show is a little different from Sleepwalkers because it's sponsored by T-Mobile for Business, and they want to inspire companies and entrepreneurs to build the kind of killer apps, as Andrea put it, that will actually make use of the full potential of 5G. You know, part of our job with Sleepwalkers was to do a little demystifying. Uh, <laughs> most people we spoke to on the show couldn't even agree on a definition of what artificial intelligence is. And, you know, similarly with 5G, it's going to be hard for us to get a solid definition. Right. I think it usually begins with your phone getting a lot faster and being able to download movies in seconds. And that's really what Andrea was joking about at the beginning of this episode, saying, but that's not really what's most interesting to her. There's actually much more profound implications that we're going to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes this an exciting moment because the future we lay out can influence the reality we build, which is exactly why I love science fiction. I didn't know you love science fiction. I do. <laughs> I do. Um, do you know what the G in 5G actually gigabyte. stands for? Gigabyte. No, <laughs> it's not gigabyte. It's not gigahertz. It is generation. 5G is the fifth generation. So what was the OG? <laughs> I don't know what the OG was, but I can tell you what the 1G was, uh, okay. if you'd like. Please. <laughs> 1G was the first generation, and it was analog. So the parts were big, and the phone the network enabled was this huge brick that was too heavy to carry around, but it became kind of a status symbol when you had it in your car, the car phone. And funny enough, they didn't sort of take off beyond those uh, those advertising. It was the mommy's busy signal mommy, that I had yeah. when I was in the car. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. Uh, they were huge and unwieldy. And then 2G came along in the 1990s, and all of a sudden we'd shifted from analog to digital. And that's when mommy and daddy bought us our first phones, in my case anyway. <laughs> uh, this was the shift from uh, analog to digital, which allowed phones to get small enough to put in your pocket and allow you to text, which was key. And allowed me to play snake at bar mitzvahs. Exactly, exactly. And mommy and daddy uh, bought them for us because <laughs> they thought that it kept us safe. That's right. <laughs> and then what happened? 3G. 3G was the beginning of the mobile internet, which was famous device-wise for the BlackBerry. Did you have one of those? Very much so. I was a baby businessman. <laughs> Businesswoman, excuse me. I can imagine you very clearly with your Crackberry, having learned some of the habits that uh, I get to see every day with your iPhone. And then, of course, 3G coincided with Apple building the first iPhone, which was a huge game changer because it had apps on it. And all of a sudden, people actually wanted to use the mobile internet on their phone, but there wasn't enough bandwidth on 3G. So the telcos had to build 4G, which is the standard in mobile internet today. If you pick up the phone that you're using right now and look in the top left corner, you'll either see 4G or LTE, which is another name for 4G. I do see it. <laughs> I think something that's important to think about as we move ahead in the show is that this isn't just about going from generation to generation and saying, ooh, ah, this is faster speed. Going from 3G to 4G was really brought on by this demand for mobile internet. And we also saw things like Fitbit and citizen journalism emerging. And I think it's really important for us to think about networks in concert with 
developments. Yeah, networks effectively are the architecture of how we live in the same way that AI has become a platform or an ingredient of many different things that are with us. It's the same with connectivity. It's the same with rail. It's the same with highways. When you lay down these tracks, things you can't really imagine start to emerge. And it's a new type of infrastructure. Yeah. And also, it kind of altered forever the meaning of the word privacy. We're going to talk a lot on this podcast about some of the risks that come with this new technology, you know, in the hope that we can raise awareness and allow us to get ahead of them. First things, though, we kind of want to understand what 5G is. Yes, well, that's why we've got Andrea Goldsmith on the show. You asked me earlier about OG networks, uh, and I didn't have the answer, but I do know that Andrea is the OG wireless expert, researcher, entrepreneur, with a sideline in neuroscience. Casual. Uh, casual, very <laughs> casual. She's going to break down for us what the technology is um, so we can actually better understand what it will enable. And later in this episode, we're going to hear from Durga Miladi. He's the SVP and GM of 4G and 5G at Qualcomm and has thought deeply about some of the killer apps that businesses may build on top of the 5G infrastructure. And I'm going to talk to a woman named Flynn Coleman, who is a human rights lawyer and an author of a book called The Human Algorithm. Her book introduced me to something called The Adjacent Possible, which is projecting the future from what we know of today. And that's why this show is called This Time Tomorrow. We haven't actually explained how we came up with the title. True. It's from a song by the Kinks, the 60s British rock band. I think it might be the B-side of Lola. It is actually. <laughs> I love the last two lines of the song, which are, This time tomorrow, where will we be? This time tomorrow, what will we see? And I would argue that those are the big questions of this podcast as we try to peer into the future of what 5G may bring. Basically, every 10 years, we have a new G in cellular. We have a new standard. That's Andrea Goldsmith again. As she explained to me, 5G, the new standard, the fifth G, if you like, is underpinned by three key technologies. Multiple antenna techniques, small cells, and the millimeter wave. You may have heard about millimeter wave. It's about as far as many conversations about 5G go, and it is part of the story, but only part. You see, the problem is that millimeter waves are short and easily interrupted by buildings and even rain. In sound wave terms, they are the high-frequency treble, not the booming bass you hear outside the club. So why are we even looking at millimeter wave? Well, there's a lot of spectrum up there. In fact, every wireless system today that's in operation could fit into the millimeter wave band. But... Millimeter wave is not a panacea. It's still a very fragile frequency band in which to communicate. And that means that it's not going to solve all the challenges of having sufficient spectrum for what we want to do with 5G. In fact, as 5G rolls out, it will also make use of low and mid-band spectrum. And there are two other radio technologies that will make it all possible. The first are the so-called multiple antenna techniques. As someone described it to me, it's the equivalent of shining a laser pointer instead of a flashlight. So you can actually get way more useful bandwidth from the same amount of signal because it goes where you want it to. And the second is local transmitters and receivers, otherwise known as small cells. They look more like uh, metallic pizza boxes than cell towers, and they're specifically designed to be placed everywhere from street corners to offices, in order to give breadth of coverage. So 
with this understanding of what technologies go into 5G, it's time to ask a larger question. What might it change? So something that the next generation of wireless networks will enable is very low latency so that it doesn't take a long time for you to send the data up to the backbone infrastructure, have computations done and sent back to the devices. Latency is a key phrase in understanding 5G. It's basically how fast your device talks to the network, and that can be more transformative than it sounds. So that's important for things like automated driving, things like if you're doing, say, remote surgery and you want to figure out how to move the robot, you can't have very long latencies. But lower latency is only part of the picture. Up until now, every generation of cell phone has really been focused on getting much higher data rates. When the smartphones came out, the networks crashed because they couldn't support the traffic. So that was the push to 4G. I think what's changed in 5G is that that's still a driver. But there's also several other dimensions that are being developed in the technology. And that includes very low power communications. Right now, if you think about putting a radio in everything with an on-off switch, those radios, they'd run out of battery instantaneously. I hadn't really thought about this before, how much energy it takes just for a device to talk to the network. But what Andrea is saying does raise a question. Why would we want to put a radio in everything with an on-off switch? It's really that we can collect massive amounts of data that we weren't able to collect before, send it up to the cloud and do the data processing to extract the useful information. And so this kind of ties together AI and wireless. So what might this collision of emerging technologies enable? You could imagine tracking the spread of diseases or, or tracking epidemics or emergency response or, you know, fire evacuations or tracking the spread of a fire that's living in California today. It's very much top of mind. And collecting and processing much more information from our environment could be helpful on an ongoing basis, not just in times of crisis. You can create a smart city where the garbage trucks only come and collect the garbage when the trash can is full or when it's out in the street rather than every Wednesday. And I think that's what I find so exciting about what's called the Internet of Things. And that Internet of Things can only be enabled by the next generation of wireless connectivity. So, Kara, I'm having some flashbacks to math class, uh, and I feel like I've learned a new algebra equation AI plus 5G equals IoT, the Internet of Things. IoT is another acronym that gets thrown around a lot to describe a future that always seems to be just around the corner. You know, what Andrea was saying about it finally being made possible by lower-powered radio actually wasn't something I'd heard before. I wouldn't mind sensors on the avalanche of packages I receive so that I could know where they are every second before they hit my doorstep. It does make me think about where else we might find sensors in the future, though. Yeah, you strike me as a real package tracker. <laughs> oh, big time. <laughs> um, but you do raise an important concern. And according to Andrea, 5G will enable us to create and collect all kinds of new data, which will push the envelope in terms of making better decisions empowered by AI. Uh, but the people building and regulating the applications on top of the network will have to get smarter about the right and wrong ways to use that data. I always go back to this dinnertime conversation starter from uh, Sebastian Thrun. Who was the founder of Google X. That's right. If you make a kitchen knife, you can either use it to cook dinner 
or to kill your guests. <laughs> the choice is yours. Um, but seriously, the connected future is exciting. And later in the series, we're going to do a deep dive into how the Internet of Things could help us protect our environment. But the ethics of design are important too. And that's something Andrea thinks about a lot. Massive deployment of sensors, which 5G may enable, that can be used for good purposes and it can also be used for not so good purposes. It can be used for surveillance. And I worry a lot about the digital divide. I think that connectivity is almost like electricity now, that if you aren't connected, you don't have access to information. So as technologists, it's important that we're cognizant not only of the excitement of developing the technology in its own right, but also the ways it can be used to better humanity and also to make things worse. What Andrea is saying, Kara, resonated with me. Technology has enabled progress for so many people, but it's also been used to infringe on privacy and even exclude certain people from economic opportunity. That's not something we imagine happening when we unpacked our very first smartphones. I think it's really hard to predict where new technology may lead. It's kind of the problem that we always face. When I was logging into my AIM chat with my friends, I couldn't imagine that, you know, in 10 years, I would have a full Instagram profile, a Facebook profile, a Twitter identity. It really is. It's one of the reasons why it's a good moment to be having this conversation, because 5G, the fifth generation of cellular wireless, is still in the building phase. And that means hopefully we can head off some of the crises that came with the move fast and break things era that defined the last 10 years of Silicon Valley. And especially as this network is being built, to insist that it's affordable and widely accessible. It's important to project a future that we want to live in and build towards it. One person who has thought deeply about bridging the digital divide is Flynn Coleman. She's an international human rights lawyer, expert on digital ethics, and author of A Human Algorithm. Join us for that conversation after the break. The future with 5G is coming. Today, T-Mobile is leading the 5G charge, with $30 billion invested in their network to deliver new capabilities. Improved connectivity and true mobility provided by an advanced network from T-Mobile for Business could change the way we all live and work. The 5G era will take the best technologies available today in the wireless space so that you can offer new capabilities to your business customers. T-Mobile for Business knows that the future of business will be powered by advancements in wireless networks, with these new technologies opening the doors for better ways to get the job done. Business is changing. Learn more at tmobileforbusiness.com. I've long been interested in the intersection of technology and human rights. That's Flynn Coleman. She's an international human rights lawyer who most recently wrote a book called The Human Algorithm, which explores how we can build algorithms and programs that better reflect and care for human life. There's some things we can't fix and there's some things we can, which is why things like diversity, inclusivity, having a wider range of lived experiences as part of the team's building, regulating, legislating these tools is critical. We need to think about ways that we can avoid digital redlining so that marginalized, vulnerable communities are provided that critical element of access. The digital redlining Flynn mentioned is a form of discrimination whereby certain poorer and or rural areas are not provided with the infrastructure for quality internet. 
Some networks are working to resolve this problem by making accessibility and affordability hallmarks of their 5G rollout. What we are going to need to do is have people in leadership positions and in part of every part of the ecosystem show the broader, long-term reasons why we provide access. Oz and I once spoke to the former head of DARPA. That's the agency that invented the internet. Her name is Arthi Prabhakar, and she told us one of her big priorities at DARPA was building safe systems at the design phase. That means anticipating problems before they arise. When we think about deploying 5G, it's important we focus on making sure we are not racing towards a future for the few, but thoughtfully building for the many. Because, you know, while so many of us are like, oh, we're on social media too much, some of us still aren't connected. We don't know what tomorrow will bring, but the people building tomorrow's network and the applications on top of it should be considering all of the challenges as well as the opportunities. And on the subject of this time tomorrow, Flynn's book introduced me to an interesting concept that I hadn't heard before, but has kind of changed the way I think about technological development. The Jason Possible is a theory and a practice. It's this fascinating idea that when we predict and forecast using the tools we have today, it's really impossible to predict the future. And we can't possibly see the further horizon until we keep stepping forward. The adjacent possible was first shared by the theoretical biologist Stephen Kaufman in his book At Home in the Universe. For Kaufman, it's this future that does not exist but is a step away from existence. For the rest of us, the adjacent possible is how we get to what's next based on what we already have. You may be listening to this and thinking, well, what does the adjacent possible have to do with a next-generation cellular network? The answer is quite a lot. We know, given dramatic breakthroughs during previous generations of wireless, that we are, again, on the precipice of extraordinary innovation and change. But we can't know this change. The theory of the adjacent possible encourages us to look at the tools we currently have, both in the marketplace and in our backyards, to consider what the world might look like. I've seen the evolution just, for example, in my students. And before, you know, in some of the classes, it was all about businesses for profit. And now I'm seeing a huge in the next generation move towards, no, there should be positive environmental impact and for human rights and social justice. It's good to hear from Flynn that some future business leaders are more focused on collaboration and purpose over profit. We'll need a collaborative ecosystem to make the most of 5G. It's not just millimeter wave. It's not just multiple antenna. It's what will be built on top. What will the Ubers and Venmos of tomorrow bring, and how will they explore the limits of new networks? This podcast will search for the most inspiring examples of our adjacent possible. All right, Oz, can you stop Googling the adjacent possible? I'm just going to tell you what it is. I'm sorry. There is this wonderful writer named Stephen Johnson who wrote about the adjacent possible in one of his books. And in it, he wrote... Think of a house that magically expands with each door you open. You begin in a room with four doors, each leading to a new room that you haven't visited yet. Those four rooms are the adjacent possible. But once you open one of those doors and stroll into that room, three new doors appear, each leading to a brand new room that you couldn't have reached from your original starting point. Keep opening doors, and eventually you'll have built a palace. Quite romantic. Well, they're basically also saying that 
all innovation is essentially a choose-your-own-adventure using the tools that you already have. The thing I like about the adjacent possible is that it rejiggers the way, at least I think about the future. You know, I normally think of the future as this far-out, disembodied place. The theory of the adjacent possible forces us to consider what we have available to us right now and then think about how those things might open doors to the future. It's kind of radical. I think it's fascinating. I mean, I, I had got my my wand and my cauldron and my crystal ball out for this podcast. But it does also raise questions about who are the people who are going through uh, this house, this adjacent possible with all these rooms. And historically in the U.S., that's been businesses. I found Andrea Goldsmith a very interesting guest because she's both a researcher at Stanford and, as she describes it, a serial entrepreneur, someone who's built businesses. And so when we think about the adjacent possible and what might come next, the likelihood is that that will be driven by an entrepreneur or a business, somebody looking for a market, somebody looking to build a killer application, so to speak, on top of this 5G network. And so our next guest is going to tell us about exactly what businesses are looking out for. I am Durga Maladi. I am a Senior Vice President and General Manager for 4G and 5G uh, Technologies in uh, Qualcomm. Durga oversees 5G at Qualcomm, which is one of the largest manufacturers of chips in the world. The chips that make your smartphone, well, smart. And Qualcomm also creates and owns technology patents. That's the intellectual property that underlies a great deal of today's wireless communications. The chipset inside any of these different product categories is what makes it tick. It's the heart and soul of the entire product. And from a connectivity standpoint, it's the most important piece of of the entire device. In fact, Qualcomm actually invested in two companies that have become synonymous with connection on the go. Waze, the app for driving directions and live traffic response, and Fitbit the fitness tracker that Google just acquired. Recently, Qualcomm announced a $200 million 5G ecosystem fund. Effectively, they're providing capital to the types of businesses aiming to build the killer apps to make 5G relevant. Because we're not going to be able to predict everything that's going to happen seven, eight years down the road. We might be able to, you know, probably say these are the trend lines and so on. But the idea is to build the toolkit Like Andrea Goldsmith, Durga is particularly excited about a world of device-to-device connection, the Internet of Things. Let's imagine a situation where every automobile has got 5G connectivity inside. Well, the next thing you can start thinking of is maybe these cars can uh, not just connect to the network, but they can connect to each other. And that brings in uh, what we call as V2V, vehicle-to-vehicle communication, wherein safety applications start coming in. Imagine the following, you're driving and you slam on the brake because there's something else that's right in front of you. Today, the only way that everyone else knows that you slammed on the brake is maybe the person behind you saw a red light, uh, which lights up behind your vehicle. And that's how they know they did this. But what about the person behind? What about the person who's on the adjacent lane? They don't know it. Well, instead, now you slam on the brake and a message, a wireless message instead is sent out. In addition to the red light, wireless message is sent out to all the vehicles around it. And they all know that you braked on it. So now you start seeing safety uh, features come up as a part of this uh, wireless communications. The next thing you know, the same vehicle can communicate with a traffic light, which is one or two miles down the road, uh, which states, hey, right now it's at a green. And if you drive at this uh, speed, then it'll remain a green for you and so on. So you increase transportation efficiency. All of a sudden, you can see that 5G can enable 
and improve the efficiency of so many different things in that automobile sector, whether it is safety applications or whether it is transportation efficiency. And this promise of connecting previously unconnected devices goes far beyond cars and driving. Think of the following. Let's say that you have a really large farm out there. The irrigation uh, policy for the day is determined by the level of humidity and the soil moisture content. But you need to have that information in real time to be able to understand exactly what should be the drip irrigation policy for today. So we can start to use data collected from many more sensors to make more informed decisions. And another industry this could transform is manufacturing. Reliability matters. You want to just lose maybe uh, one message out of a million messages or something of that sort. You're trying to control an industrial robot. Latency matters. You want to actually have a responsive system that can react in milliseconds, a fraction of a second, really. We worked with them first and said, how can we help you in this process? And the answers that we got is, with wireless communication, there's so much of data that we collect. Uh, Now we can locally process it, possibly add some AI algorithms on top of it, right in the manufacturing floor to figure out what is happening, quality control, quality analysis, overall improvement in the efficiency. What Durga is talking about is also known as edge computing. It's computation that can happen in those small cells Andrea mentioned earlier without wasting time and energy by going all the way up to the cloud. As you're collecting large amounts of data from a large number of entities, you say, okay, I'm beginning to see a macro pattern over here. Maybe there's a problem there. That's a diagnostics issue. Or maybe this is my strategy over here. That's a scheduling issue. And so there is this confluence of 5G and AI that occurs in the background. This local computation, combined with much higher data rates, could unlock the potential of yet another technology that has been long talked about and not yet fully adopted, virtual reality. With the amount of data that needs to be processed, uh, today for VR, it's a rather bulky looking thing. That's because a lot of processing is done on it. Now, what if you actually have a, a much thinner form factor? Ideally, in fact, what you really ought to be thinking of is you're wearing something that looks like sunglasses. The return of Google X. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, just sunglasses and it has 5G connectivity and some limited processing power over there so that it's kind of really light, but it's outsourcing the rest of the processing to a server that's located right next to it or very close to it. Now you can start thinking about virtual telepresence, VR capabilities. You can do exactly the same with AR as well. Collaborative workplaces wherein you have three or four individuals and three continents, for example, they're all looking at the same object, but using AR, they're able to augment their reality wherever they are located based upon what the other person is doing in a different location. These applications are full of promise for the world of business. But we talked earlier in the episode about the importance of access to affordable and reliable connection for everyone. And I wanted Durga's take on how to avoid a future built for the few. You know, one of the things that from Qualcomm we are very interested in is making sure that we have broadband capabilities across the U.S. So rural broadband is something that's of importance to us. That's where fixed wireless access applications come in. Fixed wireless access is one of the big promises of 5G. Essentially, it's the combination of those small cells and multiple antenna techniques that we talked about to send fast connectivity wherever it's needed without having to lay down expensive fiber optic cable. The ability to bring hundreds of megabits per second connectivity 
to rural households, to uh, city halls and communities out in the rural areas. Very promising. Uh, the technology is there. We have to now make sure that there are the right kinds of policies and incentives to make it happen in the rural areas. But the technology has been built to make it happen exactly that way. It wasn't something that was easily possible with 4G or 3G before, but with 5G, we have the technology. As Durga said, none of us can look into the future, but we can look at the trend lines. And on This Time Tomorrow, we will follow those trend lines in search of the adjacent possible. Available now from iHeart, a new series presented by T-Mobile for Business, The Restless Ones. Join host Jonathan Strickland as he explores the upcoming 5G revolution and the business leaders who stand right on the cutting edge. There are certain decision makers who are restless. They know there is a better way to get things done, and they're ready, curious, and excited for the next technological innovation to unlock their vision of the future. These restless ones are in pursuit of bigger, better, smarter, stronger. They seek new partners, new strategies, new processes. They pursue innovative platforms and solutions to propel their teams, businesses, and industries forward. In each episode, we'll learn more from the restless ones themselves and dive deep into how they think the 5G revolution could propel their business forward. The Restless Ones is now available on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts. So, Kara. We come to the end of our first episode of This Time Tomorrow. Yeah, and we're going to keep trying to answer the questions that the song poses. Ray Davies, <laughs> who was the lead singer of The Kinks, said that the song is about going into the unexpected, unexplored territory. What does the future hold for us? I also like that we borrowed our title from a song from the late 60s, early 70s, because that era was such an exciting and fertile time for innovation. There was Apollo 8 in 1968, the first manned spaceship to orbit the moon and crucially return to Earth. Uh, and in 1971, Intel released the first commercially available microprocessor, which basically kicked off the personal computing revolution. And do you know what happened in 1973? The Watergate hearings? <laughs> well, that was one thing. Uh, there was also the first ever cell phone call, which was demonstrated in New York City by the inventor Martin Cooper. So it was a time of these great inventions that became even more significant and helpful over time as they were refined and we found uses for them that made them relevant. So on this podcast, we're going to take everything we do know about 5G today, how it works, what it might enable, and then extrapolate what kind of amazing applications might be built on top of it. At the same time, we're going to be cognizant that every new technology brings risks as well as rewards. We're going to keep privacy and access top of mind throughout all of our conversations. And as we do so, we're going to explore some of the applications that exist today, but that could be made better by 5G. Everything from virtual reality to disaster relief to medicine, with some of the best scientists and most creative business people in the world, all in order to paint a picture of this time tomorrow. On our next episode, we will explore how 5G could enable incredible new applications of virtual reality transforming our relationship with the world around us. We will learn how the technology can be used in everything from helping long-term prisoners prepare for life on the outside to helping astronauts train for missions in space. I'm Oz Veloshin. See you next time.
No matter what you're after, T-Mobile for Business is here with a network born mobile and built from the ground up for the next wave of innovation. From mobile broadband to IoT to workforce mobility and everything in between, T-Mobile for Business is committed to helping you move your business forward with the products and services you need, as well as the dedicated, award-winning customer service you'd expect from America's most loved wireless company. Business is changing. Learn more at t